Well, amen and amen to that. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Marin Covenant Church. You go ahead and grab a seat if you're in the room. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And we are in the middle of this Lenten series about being aware. And gosh, don't you love our worship team helping us through our ears to enter into the presence of God. So thanks, you guys. Well, we are in a series about being aware. And it's about maximizing our... Um, our senses and to recognize our senses are a way that we encounter um, the Holy Spirit. And if you're anything like me, sensory, um, that's kind of a little bit too of an artistic um, starting point for this. And so uh, I had Jeff help me come up with kind of a good thesis. So I thought this thesis will help direct us and launch us where we're going to be going this morning. So when you think of this about this, this series is about being aware. It's about being aware all the time and in all the ways to taste and see, right? We have the, the sign over our worship band. And here's the, here's the bottom line, that since Christ lives in our hearts through faith, we can now take advantage of that reality and become more aware of the Spirit's work, His healing, His leading, excuse me, in truth. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the, uh, the sense of taste. Any foodies in the room? Yeah. Well, um, we had our staff meeting and uh, Amanda, uh, one of the people on our staff, led us through this great conversation where we're sharing about all the senses. And half of our staff are foodies. They love it. And listening to like Shelly or Danny or Jeff talk about food, I'm like, oh gosh, look at that. It is just this incredible gift that just taps into our deepest memories and joy and uh, all the things, right? And it reminded me of this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, uh, verse 15. Ecclesiastes written by uh, Solomon, the wisest man ever to live. He says this, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be glad. The word of the Lord, how awesome is that? Then joy will accompany them and their toil all their days of their life that God has given them under the sun. Thanks be to God. Is that an awesome verse or what? So if you're a foodie, if you're like, you're like, yes, that is what I'm talking about. But it's interesting because as before Tuesday, when I'm thinking about food, for me, Food actually has this really brutal shadow side. Um, and so when I think of how does food point me to the Holy Spirit, it's a little bit of a different angle. So it doesn't matter if food is like the best thing ever and invites you to experience all the joy or there's some, uh, some baggage along with it. I think this morning you're going to find that the Holy Spirit is inviting all of us into a deeper sense of healing, a deeper sense of gratitude, and even an invitation to participate more fully into the coming kingdom of God. So with all that being said, here's the title slide, right? That taste that we're going to be doing, talking about taste and unlocking the Holy Spirit's comfort and care. And really, this whole series is about that. It's engaging with the Holy Spirit to take advantage of all that he has for us. And taste is a great way to remind us of our comfort and care. Well, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, food has this really dark shadow side for me. I've always had an awful relationship with food. It's been kind of a family joke. I like laughing it off so I don't feel so disgusting about it. But I love eating in private. Uh, my wife is horrified when she goes out to the trash and there's all these just piles of like McDonald's. I know Andrew's like, what is wrong with you? Well, that's just the beginning of it. Um, the family joke is, Everywhere between here and SFO, everywhere between here and Sacramento, everywhere between here and Santa Cruz, those are kind of my three destinations. I know every on, every off to every AM, PM. I mean, and I have a rhythm. I have a way in which I go get food. And, uh, and so I was taking my son up snowboarding a couple weeks ago, and he's like, Dad, you've got to show me all the on-offs. And I'm like, well, no, it's a hidden shame, son. I don't do that with other people, but I will tell you about it. And so I just marked it from here to, to, to Tahoe, you know, from starting with the loop and getting um, sunflower seeds because I want to be healthy. But then by the time I get to Cordelia, I'm a little hungry. So I get a, an egg white McDo McD um, 
sausage McMuffin, right? But pretty soon the cork, you know, just gets uncorked totally. So by the time I get to Dixon, I am just like loading up on 20 chicken McNuggets. And then I get to Nyack and I got to get a McMuffin. One of my M&Ms and whatchamacallits, and then I start my day skiing. I know Andrew's like, what are you doing? My mom, I'm telling the story, my mom does the same look that Andrew's doing. She's like, you have some big time problems. And it's kind of funny because I call her, but the truth is I have some big time problems. And my mom, because she loves me, she's like, when are you actually going to deal with this? And uh, so when I think of this idea of taste, for me, food actually uncorks this super broken hidden part of me. And so when I think of, gosh, what in the world does the Holy Spirit have to do in me? The very first thing he has to do in me and maybe in you is whenever I eat, whenever things touch my mouth, it's actually an invitation to healing. It's an invitation that there's this broken thing in me that God actually wants to begin to heal and redeem and restore. And I actually came to that conclusion through a kind of roundabout way. So here's another way for you to judge me. I came across this book this fall called Unwanted, How about this for a title? How Sexual Brokenness Reveals Our Way to Healing. This is a super intense book. I highly, highly recommend it. And what's interesting about this book is the idea is that sin and brokenness actually point us to God's healing and redemption. So much when we think about sin and brokenness, we just think, God, I don't want to do this anymore. Just heal me. Take this away from me so I never have to do it again. Cleanse me through, from your blood. Forgive me, and I never want to deal with it again. Or we just white-knuckle it. We just hold on, and we try so hard to never do it again, never do it again, never do it again. And this works in every area of sin and brokenness. And so I thought, gosh, what would it be like if I did a little re- reflection and thought with all of my weird gluttony problems— God, God, what do you have to say to me? What is the area that needs redemption? What, is needs, what, what invitation do you have f- towards healing? Because I think gluttony, I just think that's so gross, right? Angie's just judging me. She's like, I cannot believe that's you. I'm just giving you a hard time. I just I can't believe that's you, right? And it is, it's, it's shameful. And so I try so hard, but I'm not gonna lie. Every time I drive past the loop, I think, should I get a whatchamacallit? It's in my head. And so I can white knuckle that pretty good. But that is not the invitation that God has for us. He actually has this invitation to healing. And so for me, as I uncork this, as I peel the the onion back, I realize that food triggers two really areas of brokenness in me. One, I have this issue around scarcity, which I don't even know why. I have plenty of resources. I have plenty of food, that's for sure. But for some reason, I just never think I'm going to get enough, whether I'm going to have enough money for retirement or if there's going to be enough cake after everybody's had some. Whatever it is, food just touches this, this, um, this, this scarcity thing in me. And it also reveals this loneliness part of me, that there's this way that food copes when I feel lonely and stressed and isolated and food just kind of, it's like a a big warm blanket. And so one of the ways that God is inviting me and maybe even you, when you think of this idea of taste, is it's an invitation to healing, that God actually wants to do something very specific in you and through you. For me, it's around scarcity and loneliness. But here's the second thing that I want you to think about. The the second invitation is this invitation to gratitude. Because food, um, for all of human history until like the last 50 years, was something people had to work really hard for. And food was basically synonymous with God's provision. And so think of it this way. Personally, food gives us comfort and care. Right? When you think about having lunch, having a sandwich, like for normal people, having an, an amazing meal, right? It gives you comfort and care. It like soothes your inner being, right? When you get hangry, right? You eat something, your whole life goes, ah, oh, right? It comforts your inner being and it actually cares for your body. It gives you the nutrients to go and to live. 
it provides for us. Well, food is actually supposed to be a pointer to God's provision and God's care. There's this great passage of scripture in Exodus chapter 16. And uh, this is uh, in, in, the, in the story of Exodus, um, Moses takes uh, the people of God, right? The, all the plagues happen. They part, they go through the Red Sea. And they're like, yes, we did it. We're finally free. And now they're in the desert. And it was the desert, no food, no water. And everyone starts grumbling, like, why did you take us here? What, do you just want to kill us? You don't care about us? And they start getting just all uh, jumbled up. And so God has this incredible plan. So here we are in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4 and 5. Let's begin there. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough food for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they will prepare um, what they bring in, and there will be twice as much as they gathered on those other days. And, uh, And then it goes on to say that you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against them. So even their grumbling, God doesn't like drop the hammer on them. He's like, I am going to provide this way for you. I'm going to provide manna in the morning. And I always think of like frosted flakes. This is probably not what it looks like, but it says, you know, it's like, just imagine frosted flakes everywhere and people would scoop them up. And then the evening there would be quail. And God provided and said, listen, every day you're to take this food. And you're to remember that I provided this for you. And then here's the trick. On Saturday, you're to do double because Sunday is the day of rest. And I love it. Humans are so awesome. Um, Because what happened is in verse 16 says, and this is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is to gather just as much as they needed. And then it goes on that they... On Saturday, what would happen is on other days, they would take more and more and more. They would hoard it, right? Because you're like, God just provided you frosted flakes and quail for unlimited. But then you're thinking, is he going to do it again tomorrow? He did it today, but is he going to do it tomorrow? And the next day, he did it today, is he going to do it tomorrow? And so human nature, which I resonate, is they would take extra food and they would store it away on the off chance that God wouldn't come through for them. And what happens? The food becomes all full of maggots and just God just goes, what are you doing? You are killing me. And, uh, and, and that is just so what we do. God provides every day, day in and day out. He provides our needs. And food is a great example because we eat every day. It's a reminder that God provides for us every day. So personally, food gives us all of our comfort and care. But the truth is food is supposed to be a marker for the Holy Spirit. So personally, it's the Holy Spirit that actually gives us our comfort and our care. Right, the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. The idea is it's pointing back to these days when God provided manna every day. God says, I'm going to care for you today. Give us today your daily bread. Right, the scriptures talk about Jesus is the bread of life. He's the water of life. Right, and, and this idea that our bodies need regular nourishment and comfort and care. And food does that, but even more than food, God longs for the Holy Spirit to do that work in us. And ultimately, we eat food not just so that we can like be fat and happy, but we eat food so that we can be useful in the world. We need food for energy to actually do something, to provide for something. And this is what's kind of challenging in our our spiritual formation. A lot of times we think of our walk with God and our spirituality as this idea that we do these things so that we can have this intimate relationship with God. And it's just me and God and me and God and me and God. But when we do that, we actually miss out this incredible invitation that God has for us, that he actually wants to leverage us for his coming kingdom, right? So food's supposed to point to our healing. It's supposed to point uh, an invitation to gratitude, but it's also an invitation into um, partnering with the kingdom of God. 
What's funny is, I don't know if you've, if you've ever saw that movie, Bridesmaids. Um, it's probably not the most Christian movie. I was trying to say, this is the most Christian movie ever, but actually it's not. But there's this woman, her name's um, Annie, was her, Annie Walker is the, is the main character, and she's this incredible chef, right? And if you've seen the movie, right, she's just struggling with, with loneliness and insecurity, and she's this incredible baker, and she makes these great cakes. And here's a scene where she's in her kitchen all by herself, and she makes this super elaborate cupcake. And it's actually kind of jarring because you realize you don't put all this effort into making food, all this effort into making a meal to just eat it by yourself. It almost feels worse, right? If you're going to eat by yourself, you make a sandwich and you watch TV, right? You, we find ways that kind of short circuit the process. But when we're ready to share with other people, we put in all this extra work. We make sure we're providing the best experience, the best food. And I just love that picture because I feel like a lot of times we spend so much time in the, in the Christian world making sure that we are nourished personally, that we're doing all the work to grow personally. But really, we've just done all this work to make this beautiful cupcake only to eat it alone. Because here's the final part, that God is inviting us to actually partner with him in his coming kingdom. Because not only does food point to a way to that, for healing, and not only does food remind us of God's provision, but, f- but food is something that is designed to be shared with other people. So corporately, food gives us comfort and care. Right? When we have food, there's something we do by ourselves that happens to our body, which is great. But when we actually are with other people, when we share food, when we break bread, when we have a meal, when we have a drink together, all of a sudden it provides comfort and care. There's this weird thing. When you're with other people, when you invite people to your house, or especially when you are invited and someone cares for you and provides this incredible meal for you, right? it, it actually heals your body. You have this deeper connection. So it was a way that someone expressed love and affection towards you. So it comforts you, but also now it's an invitation for you to care for others. And this has been a heartbreaking season in Zoom because we've had so few opportunities to actually be with people. Now, some of you renegades have just been like, I don't care. And you guys are eating with people all the time and you're walking around being so joy-filled and full of life because you're actually sharing meals with other people. And I know plenty of people who have just limited all sorts of access with people. And and you're kind of living at this like 40% because you're missing out on the joys of actually sharing meals together. So just the way that corporately points us towards the way that food gives us comfort and care, the same is actually true. It's supposed to be a marker for the Holy Spirit and the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. So corporately, the Holy Spirit actually has work to do in us well in us as well. And I love this passage in Luke chapter 14. Jesus tells this parable of the great banquet. And I love this parable of the great banquet because for me, when I think, gosh, when we're in heaven one day, we're just, I think of it as imagining this giant buffet, right? And we're all sitting around with the people that we love, eating great food. Like a dinner party has all the senses, friendship and food and drink and laughter, right? And smells, all the senses, all the people all joined together. And uh, so I love the different parables along the way. But here's the one that's found in Luke chapter 14. It says this. So when one of those at the table with him heard this to Jesus, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at that time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited to come for everything is ready now. And I don't know if you've ever planned a party, planned a dinner party, right? This is the moment you've set the table, you set it all up, and then everyone's fashionably late. If you want to love your friends, don't be fashionably late. Show up, show up five minutes early and say you're here to help. I'm just telling you that like five minutes before to the half hour after, I hate 
Love your friends, right? So this is what happens. Same thing. People have been fashionably late forever, apparently. So the kingdom of God, the, the, this person sets up this great banquet. The table is set and everything is ready. Then it goes on to verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married and I can't come. The servant reported back to his master and then the owner of the house became angry, which you would understand, right? All of his friends, all the people that he chose to invite, the very specific people said, man, I want you to be with me. They're like, nah, I'm out. But then he flips the script. He says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And he ends up filling his entire table. And I love this picture of the kingdom of God because for me, as someone who wants to be a partner with the kingdom of God, there is this partnership that God invites you and me to be a part of, that God actually longs for us to be people who are ambassadors of the kingdom. That when we set our dinner table, we're partnering with God. The people who come to our dinner table is an opportunity for us to extend the mercy and grace and love of God. But what's interesting is, if you're anything like me, I have very specific types of people I like to have at my dinner parties. I like people who like me. That's probably the number one thing, who are going to make me feel better about myself and who are going to tolerate my food, right? They're the people that I want to invite. But what's interesting is that God is actually longing to invite people that we may not see. And we actually have to train our eyes because when we think, oh yeah, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to share my life. I'm going to share my provision. We all have people we naturally think of in our head, but there's people that God longs to do a work in that we miss. And I think about this in my time here in Novato, when our kids went to school in San Ramon, there were certain families who I just thought these families are awesome families. These are families are families of influence and people like them. And God, if you could just get a hold of these families, gosh, what is going to happen in your kingdom? And it's going to be great. And it helped, you know, that they were people of means and they were people that were fun and they brought great food. So this is like a win-win. But what's interesting is we were like the smell of death. They actually didn't want anything to do with, with Christ. And yet we kept inviting over and over and over again, thinking that they were our ministry, not realizing that just a few people over were some genuinely spiritually hungry people who longed to encounter Christ. And Jesus was the smell of life. And because they weren't my normal people, I, it took me like a couple years to go, oh God, you're doing something with them. And they need to come to my table. The way we're interpreting it now as our kids are teenagers is we have all sorts of friends that we want our kids to be with. We have all sorts of parents we want them to be with. But our kids have found friendships and maybe God is using their friendships and their families as people that God longs for us to be with. And so I love this picture of the banqueting table and our job is to partner with the kingdom of God and food is one of those things that God uses to bind people. It's an image of what the Holy Spirit longs to do. But maybe the image or the invitation for you as you partner with the Holy Spirit is who are the spiritually hungry people in your world? You know are the people that you love in your world. You know the people that like you in your world. But God wants you to actually partner with him, which means there are spiritually hungry people in your world, in your sphere of influence. And God longs for you to actually see them and to care for them and to invite them in to be part of your life and of your ministry. Well, as we wrap things up, here's kind of some things to be trying out because it's about taste 
it's kind of ethereal. You're like, I love food, and therefore I love God. But I wanted to give you three really um, practical things to try to take away. And they all revolve around food, which you're going to eat at some point. So every time you think about you're going to sit down for a meal, or you're going to drive past the loop like I do, think about one of these three things. Here's one. Maybe this is an opportunity, like Jeff said in our discipleship experience, to fast from food. Food has taken such an overwhelming part of who you are and you're just satisfying your flesh and you just let yourself go. And it's just this thing that just gives you comfort and care all the time, but you're not sure what the Holy Spirit has in it. And the discipline of fasting actually allows you to, to, res, um, to reflect on what are you truly hungry for. So to give up meal or food for a day and to see what your hunger reveals about you. And maybe there's an area of deeper healing that God longs to do through you, through the Holy Spirit. So that's one. Give up a meal and to see what sort of healing you may, you may need from Jesus. Two, at mealtimes, actually practice gratitude. Actually stop and say grace. And not just the fast grace that we do at our family, but the, nor- the, fat, the grace where you pause and you recognize that this food is really just a symbol. It's, an, it's, it's a physical manifest- manifestation of God's provision and God's care for you and your family. So there's an invitation for healing. There's an invitation for gratitude. And here's the big one. It's an invitation to invite somebody to your table. That when you think of your home, you think of your table, you think of how you share meals with people, that that is actually a ministry that God is inviting you to be a part of. He's inviting you to partner with him through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And here's the extra challenge. To not just invite people who you know and you love and you can celebrate all the good things of life with, but who in your world is actually spiritually hungry? Who in your sphere of influence is Jesus the smell of life? And maybe God is inviting you to invite them to be a part of your home, your table. Taste, it is so good. Food is so good. It is so visceral. It provides so much comfort and care in our inner being but really it is simply a pointer. It is a pointer for the Holy Spirit to provide comfort and care as he invites us into deeper healing, deeper gratitude, and a deeper partnership to the work of the Holy Spirit. All right, well, we are actually gonna practice um, joining around the table together as we move to communion. So the communion table really is the picture of the great banquet. When we come to communion, we celebrate the life and the ministry, the death and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, because it is in this table that we recognize that we find ultimate healing through the forgiveness of our sins and the work that Jesus has done through the work on the cross and the incredible gift from Pentecost of the work of the Holy Spirit to comfort and care for us. It is the table that actually nourishes our spiritual life when we recognize that the presence and the bread and the blood of Christ nourishes us, which then equips us for healing and restoration. But it's not for our own spiritual joy and our own spiritual satisfaction. We are empowered by the table so we can invite others to the table as well. And so as we come to the table, remembering those three things, we remember the night that Jesus was betrayed. It was the end of the meal. He took the bread and he broke it. 
He said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And if you're in the room, this is the time you can peel back the cap and take a piece of bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and as he poured out the wine, he said, this is the cup of the new blessing, of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, which is for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, For as often as we come to this table, we remember the ministry of Jesus Christ and we celebrate his life, his death, and we point in his resurrection. And we long for the day for him to come back when he will make all wrongs right. We sit at the great banquet table and enjoy the fellowship with God and God's people forever and ever. Let me pray for us and then we'll wrap up our time. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, We just humbly come before you. We're so thankful for your long suffering from the Israelites and their grumbling to me now that we are just grumblers and we're broken people. And yet you're gracious and you love us and you invite us to come to your table, to find healing and forgiveness, to find restoration, to find purpose and to be empowered so that we can partner with you So I pray, God, that you would have your way with me personally, that you'd have your way with us corporately, that we would be a church that would fling wide the gates and invite all spiritually hungry people to partake in the feast of the King. We love you, Jesus. And all of God's kids said, amen and amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.